0: Modern Mystic Shop's Sunday School Podcast, where every Sunday you get to listen in on our free metaphysical class series. We record live at Modern Mystic Shop in Atlanta, Georgia. Each week features a new expert offering the tools to harness your own inner power and connect more deeply with your intuition. Thanks for joining in and enjoy the class. Welcome back to another episode of Sunday School at Modern Mystic Shop. My name is Kelly Knight. I am your host and the owner of Modern Mystic Shop. We are so happy to have you. And I say we, our whole team, we've been really cranking through the holidays and it's our busiest time of year, but we also had time to host an amazing Sunday School right at the brink of the new year. And the topic for this week's subject is New Year, New World Intentions with Tay Glover. She's also known as the witch goddess. Tay has become a member of the Modern Mystic team as she is a reader at our shop. So if you do love what she has to say and you could use help um, from her and her insight, you're welcome to book a reading with her in the shop or you can book a remote reading anytime uh, visiting mystictarot.com. But this week she really invites us to have a brave conversation about how to use spiritual wellness tools that we talk about on this podcast all the time tarot astrology tantra etc how to use those tools for our own personal development work but also how to use those tools for the collective shadow work and collective healing that we are all doing around the patriarchy around race around sexuality and racism and all of these really weighty topics and you know we feel comfortable maybe talking about these tools and how we use them for ourselves and our self work and healing but we have these tools to really address the larger scale issues that we are facing as a collective. And Tay brings this conversation to the forefront Um, I was very, very impressed with Tay when I first met her and I had a reading with her. And I'm just going to read you a little bit from her bio because she is a scholar. So Tay is a mystic practitioner and black lesbian feminist scholar artist born and raised in rural South Carolina. She has a master's degree in African-American studies from Northwestern University where she is currently completing her PhD. She received both her bachelor's in women's study and political science, and her master's is in gender and sexuality studies from Ohio State University. So she has really studied these topics. She has studied women's history, women's studies, political science, and she's been able to take all of this and fuse it with her mysticism, with her knowledge of astrology, tarot, energy work, Reiki, etc. Um, she's also uses, um, I believe she's a DJ too, and she uses different music and sound currents to also impact healing. And so she's a very unique individual, with uh, what we love to do with Modern Mystic is to see people who are fusing sort of like their mysticism with their daily lives and, and things that are, you know, normal, right? Because we're all normal. So, you know, our education background mixed with... Mysticism to really have an impact in this new way of of being, and I feel like Tay is one of those rare people who have blended them both together seamlessly. So I hope that you really enjoy this um, this conversation in this class. If you'd like to research Tay further, you can visit her at thewitchgoddess.com. And again, you can always book a reading with her at our shop, either in person or remotely. So without further ado this week's Sunday School class, New Year, New World, with Tay, the witch goddess.
1: So I'm Tay, some things about me. I was born and raised in South Carolina in a small rural town that was segregated. Um, Most of my time has been spent in higher education. Um, Some of that due to my natural curiosity, having a Gemini moon, Um, Some of that related to my personal experiences of wanting to venture off to learn more outside of my all-black community, um, in some ways to live more fully and freely in my queer sexual orientation because I didn't necessarily find that likeness in my immediate surroundings. So that's a little bit about me. Um, And within higher education, that journey has also been linked to activism. Um in some ways, finding my way home away from home still through essentially just coming back to the knowledge of how rich our history is here in the South. Um, and I think within that journey, just coming to more of a realization of the ways that as much as we're immersed in it, we embody it, we're also alienated from it a lot. <laughs> in terms of things like segregation, white supremacy, um, lack of access to all the things that we need contributing to that alienation. So being away in the Midwest and a little bit further up north, um, a lot of my time has been spent arguing with people about the ways that, you know, the South isn't the only place where racism exists. Um, And, you know, explaining to them how it's actually my being away from my all-black community and being in these more mixed, you know, and diverse crowds where I'm interfacing with it, legitly, you know, um, for the first time. So that was a huge shock. That was a huge shock. And I think, you know, the The balance then is to always not romanticize either way, you know, romanticize what it means to be in diverse um, settings, also not romanticize um, or contribute to the idea that there isn't rich diversity and tolerance and and spaces of love and support also in the cell, All right so. I thank y'all for showing up to share your hearts, your minds, your energy, and brave space around this topic of setting new year intentions that include healing justice intentions for our world and our communities as well. And with this talk more than anything, I'm hoping it serves to just give us a shared vocabulary and to think across schools of thought and community traditions as it relates to spiritual wellness, power, justice, and spiritual wellness tools such as tarot, astrology, and tantra, or sacred sexuality for social change. I also realize the moon is in Libra today, so I'm taking that as a positive sign for talking about wellness, justice, and politics with some grace, I'm hoping, um, and understanding. And more specifically, I invite you to share brave space and join in this conversation on using these tools for our personal and our collective shadow work and healing around patriarchy, race, racialized gender, racialized sexuality, racism and desire. So why? Why this topic and why here and now? And before I answer that, I'm a bit curious to know from some of you here, what piqued your interest in coming today? So I'm hoping that you can dialogue a bit with me and we can break some of the ice with some of you sharing while you're here. Anything specific about the topic interest any of you today?
0: Yes? Hi, um, this is Alyssa, and I am, I guess, beginning in TRL and learning about uh, this moment of divination and using it as a practice to
1: understand myself and first culture growth. So I was like, oh, got to come to this. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Anyone else? Perfect, perfect. Thank y'all for sharing. Um, So for me, my answer is simply that we just don't have time to waste in terms of trying to get things right this time, this lifetime. Um, That's what I believe. I'm an Aries. (laughs) I believe in justice. I believe in being impatient with regards to things. as urgent as life and death that we're experiencing on all levels, especially here in the South. Um, Yeah, just trying to get things right to recreate a more just and inhabitable world for all beings. And what's really special about having this kind of conversation here is that the South has always been at the forefront of justice and injustice, um, social change as well as social disaster. And so I take that sense of urgency seriously, especially when we're considering things like climate change or we're considering things like mortality rates or we're considering things like the South being the space of the highest rates of STDs, um, et cetera, right? It's a space of urgency, it's a time of urgency. The South has also been um, at the forefront of healing justice as a movement, which I will explain. And in terms of black and people of color's history of being at the forefront of social change, what's also important to just remind people is that using these tools toward these objectives are not new in any sense. People like Harriet Tubman and others used intuition and the stars as a literal roadmap to freedom, but that's something that's glossed over or not Um, in many ways mentioned in learning anything about astrology, right? Connecting people of color to that tradition. Healers and shamans have always healed out of their homes, their gardens and their yards through holding space, also through touch, through surgery, through herbs, through things like tapping into sexual energy and life force energy and healing arts as a common catharsis to transmute their pain and suffering to survive white supremacy and refute its hold. And in the same vein, it's that power that we have and that we've always been conduits of that contributed to attempts to repress it, to distort it, to contain it, then exploit it, and then alienate us from it. So just as a base fact, using these tools toward these objectives are just not new in any sense we can make conscious and magical embodied personal and political changes. And now more than ever, we need to start resisting these changes because of fear, cowardice, greed, or insecurity. Just plain old irrationality. And especially because we're at a critical time where we can harness the upcoming astrology for personal political change particularly because opportunities for political change are being orchestrated by the stars. And evolutionary astrologists, um, they lay all of these things out. You know, that information is accessible. Um, But we need to match it, and we need to harness it with our power and our will, our intentions, as well as our actions. So while shadow work, healing, and creation are common, sort of metaphysical terms or concepts that you might hear in like spiritual wellness or alternative holistic wellness sort of spaces. They also overlap with queer feminist activist notions of decolonization. And so healing justice for sovereignty is where these schools of thought meet and where I want to focus on mobilizing the term to make a distinction between it and general alternative holistic wellness. that might be focused on these concepts, that might be well-intentioned, but it's still different in terms of having a justice intention. I also wanna speak across these for us to think about how to integrate these processes like shadow work and use these tools like astrology and tarot with justice intentions, regardless of how we're situated as they're becoming more and more visible in the mainstream and co-opted by big capitalist industries. That's really important. So I wanna briefly historicize healing justice as it's connected to the labor of queer, femme, black, brown, and indigenous people, and then speak to how dismantling injustice and racism is also white people's issue and for their highest good too. And then proffer ways all of us can integrate collective justice intentions into our personal journeys of shadow work and healing toward undoing patriarchy, racism, et cetera. So the term healing justice has a social history dated back to 2010. And it's connected to social movements, um, activist social movements, as well as the labor of queer, black, brown, and indigenous films of color being involved in activists or community labor. And the term itself is about seeing healing as a form of liberation and social justice. Leah Lakshmi, who is a queer of color and crip writer, healer and organizer, gives a great overview of this history. Noting in particular how it materialized through the work and the intentions of black and brown femmes who are working class, poor, disabled, and Southern, rural healers are part of Kindred, the Southern Healing Justice Collective. I think it's just important to like name and locate these things because a lot of times we don't know that it's all of this amazing work that's happening like right under our noses. And these are things that are always left out of larger narratives of history and social justice because of the overarching way that the South is seen as fundamentalist and progressive within the national imaginary. So while these holistic wellness tools are not new, neither is healing justice, so to say. When we think about the ways people of color have always come together to form their own community clinics, whether in their homes, or things like acupuncture clinics, which were run by Black Panthers in North America in the 1960s and the 1970s. But the healing justice movement specifically was created in response to the problematic ways that activist movement cultures dismissed healing as not serious when it was activists and people putting their lives on the line who needed the most. Instead, privileging militant forms of action like just being in the streets, you know, as central to justice. And so it was created in response to the ways that. This is happening, creating immense burnout um, and just extra labor that of course was not compensated, um, et cetera. But it was also created to speak back to the ways that oppressed people lack access to high quality healing and healthcare as well as in the hopes of reclaiming the ways that our oppressed and surviving communities have always healed themselves from before colonization to now. One important thing about healing justice too was to contribute to destigmatizing trauma. You know, destigmatizing trauma. Reducing the shame around admitting that something traumatic happened to me that I suffer from trauma, that I suffer from depression. Additionally, it's about healing and healers that have a critical stance and understanding of how colonization, racism, patriarchy, these concepts of gender and sexual propriety all breed trauma, as well as psychosomatic illness. It lives in our DNA. So one of the ways that I work with astrology, tarot, sound and other healing modalities and client consultations, um, as well as through my full moon forecast that I put up on my site, is via trauma informed shadow work coaching. As a spiritualist and black queer feminist, I believe for healing to be effective, it's important to start with an expansive understanding that goes to the root. Understanding how the ways we define and aspire to wellness are based on ideals and aspirational models of wellness that can be based on a notion of perfection that can induce shame and essentially cause more harm. Also understanding that how well we feel often corresponds to the planetary and energetic themes and lessons we're being asked to master for soul evolution and more ease. And when we're able to understand what's happening in both the conscious and the subconscious, as well as how we're influenced by something greater than us, the government and society, we can be in harmony with it for our greater good and we can achieve sovereignty and essentially whatever kind of success that matters to us. That is what sovereignty is. It's about coming to your own sort of definition of freedom after understanding that essentially the ways that you've been living have been defined for you, regardless of how much privilege you reap from it, you know? So healing justice is where we work from a principle of heart, mind, body, spirit integration, facilitating both epistemic or mind-based and embodied shifts for an emancipated and more authentic way of being. And what's important to that is naming the things, being able to talk you know, really in an unfiltered way about what prohibits that. And saying the words race, saying racism, talking about politics, all of these things are the things that we sort of shy away from in our conversations um, in terms of naming it as also something that contributes to our health or our lack of health. Um, and just in general, our viability of achieving happiness, our protection from death, also. I like to think of it in processual steps in terms of this process of using things like shadow work for healing. So enlightenment is the first thing. That's where that part of naming comes in. So deconstructing the myths, the truths, um, our origin stories, as well as the roots of race. And I say the roots of race because it's important to, in our enlightenment, realize the ways that race isn't real but also contend with its real-world effects, you know? And the sort of mental and psychological and then relational work that we have to do revolves around holding both of those things in tension, you know, consciously, to change the ways that we're in relationship to each other, you know? So naming the ways that we ritualize, or rather that the colonial status quo ritualizes rupture and disease between the heart, mind, and body, spirit. It ritualizes violence, terror, fear of difference, and abuse of power, and abuse and exploitation of the feminine. And it does it through organizing society, through schools of thought and social hierarchies, based in patriarchy, race, racialized gender, racialized sexuality, racism, and terror. At its core, we have to contend with the ways that race, whiteness, white supremacy, and etc. are irrational colonial tools. Created on behalf of the insecurities of one group, the greed of one group, and that has been used to, how, to control how we all think, live and perform. It mandates that we live fearful lives, unconscious to our true divine soul purpose and spiritual thinking, fully feeling nature. And it's important for all of us, but I think especially white people to let that sink in, you know, that like regardless of how much you might benefit from it, it still limits you in terms of it being an origin story that, that limits you and doesn't allow you to actively use your being towards creating and maintaining the integrity of a concept of humanity, you know? Um, So being willful compliance with a way of being that isn't and doesn't have to be your truth. That limits the potential of freedom and happiness for all beings regardless of one's amount of privilege within it. And we all have individual and collective work to do to dismantle it politically and psychosomatically at the intersection of our mind, our heart, our soul, and our body. One of the things that is important to hold in the balance is how marginalized groups are uniquely positioned to face oppression pressures of assimilation and respectability, spirit murder on the daily, as well as internalized disempowerment, health issues because of the ways that things like human rights, agency, access to wellness and health services, and chances of experiencing violence are higher and are organized around hierarchies of race, culture, gender expression, sexuality, and religion. And I think in terms of deconstructing the myths, what's important in terms of speaking back to that disempowerment for marginalized folks is highlighting the ways that our origin stories are so much greater than everything that we learn in textbooks. (laughs) You know? um, that things like technology, culture, the sciences of life, um, high literacy, these were all things that were a part of our ways of being, our societies and cultures um, long before we were brought here. And I think also in terms of deconstructing myths, this in general, like reminding everyone that belief in things like multiple deities, sciences of life, that were about um, mind, body, spirit, alignment and wellness, and the use of harmony with the natural elements, um, communion with spirits and etheric bodies is keys to healing. These are things that so many different cultures share. And so many of the myths and traditions overlap. Another important part of the process is going through shadow work and inner child wound healing. And after essentially going through enlightenment you know, and coming to terms with the roots of all of these origin stories, what's next is uncovering all the trauma and the core wounds and all of the ways we've internalized these things that keep us essentially repeating these cycles blindly. being apathetic to ourselves and others, and being disempowered or acting from um, a place of exacerbated power, which leads to an abuse of power. We have really core issues with power (laughs) in our society. Um, And that has to be something that's so integral to shadow work and trauma. And one thing about it is understanding how these processes will work differently for whites versus others. Understanding and interrogating privilege and power as it it operates based off of our different positions. Another really important thing that we have to work on personally and collectively around shadow work Um, related to our issue with power is um, our history of sexual terror Um, our deeply deeply problematic ways of not believing in the synchronicity between femininity and masculinity the ways that the history of gender and sexuality in this country is something that is suppressed, distorted, and taught to kids in a really problematic way. Um, The ways that our history of gender and sexuality is deeply intertwined with our history of race. How things like our concepts of gender and sexuality were already in place before the concept of race, actually. And so it actually informed the ways that um, race as a concept and our notions of gender and sexuality continue to change across time. And is always changing, it's always changing. So some of the things that I think are really helpful in terms of this process of enlightenment, deconstructing the myths, and then moving to a space of doing the shadow work and the inner child wound healing is doing some in-depth sitting with your astrology natal chart. You know? So with things like... Um, alternative holistic wellness, you know, astrology is something that's just fun, but we don't actually always think about it as something that we can sit with through a lens of how it disrupts our origin stories. In a really fun, (laughs) but also... um, just in a factual way that's really hard to kind of argue with, especially when you see the ways that your personal natal chart speaks so much to you in ways that um, can be scary. (laughs) Um, But also in terms of seeing the ways that astrology charts of countries, events, and places, you know, have predicted so many things that have come to pass things like social movements, things like, um, you know, political events that were really climactic um, and integral to the way that our world works, you know. So what does it mean to use our natal charts, to use astrology, to be at a place where we can be in harmony with the changes, with the planetary energy, with the themes and the things that we're being positioned to master to get right so that we don't have to repeat over and over again as karmic lessons. That's one way I think about astrology as being helpful for our personal and collective shadow work and healing. In addition, I think our issues with power and with sexual terror, things like sacred sexuality can be really helpful as well in working through those issues. Sacred sexuality forces us to deconstruct the myths that Sex has to be taboo, that sex has to be something that we should be ashamed of, um, which is also connected to the ways that we're just generally taught to suppress the feminine. You know, that it's not okay to talk about things that's associated with the feminine, which is really problematic. So, sacred sexuality is about. Bringing in open conversation, allowing for an opportunity to have conversations about consent, about boundaries, to practice things like accountability and setting the tone of safety, to invite in things like pleasure, joy, an ecstatic release, The thing about sacred sexuality is that anything we do can be a spiritual practice. And so sacred sexuality essentially just allows us to untether sexuality from all of the terrible sort of myths that we grew up learning about how it needs to be suppressed when in reality, sexual energy is also life force energy, you know, it's the thing that we use to create, it's the thing that moves us and that drives us and that keeps us passionate and action oriented that drives us to, in some ways, act and move with intention and with integrity. It can be if we ritualize it in that way. And with anything coupled with decolonial understandings, Sacred sexuality offers us an opportunity to question, re-examine and discover our desires, to reawaken, retrain and recenter our senses, which can be harnessed toward also overturning the ways that in general our society is set up where we privilege things like sight as the means of measuring truth. It's the way that we base our sort of first ideas and sort of judgments of who people are based off of our sight. It's the way that our educational systems are ordered, you know, to privilege things like scientific rationality and essentially eschew or stigmatize other ways of knowing, like using your intuition, things that are connected with being in your body and being connected to emotion, right? Because emotion is also stigmatized as connected to women's over-emotionality, you know. So we can't trust them, we can't believe them. It's not capital T Truth. Also, incorporating things like sacred sexuality practices. Things like reorienting your relationship to your senses, Um, ritualizing things like surrender and giving up power in a way where it's embodied is something that it offers us. It offers us a different way to negotiate and play out our relationships to power in a safe way and one where there's consent involved. one of the things i'd like to encourage everyone to try in general is to make a practice of retraining your senses to reset your sensorium and consciously think about doing these things as, you know, actions toward overturning your biases. you know Intervening in the ways that we privilege eyesight is the measure of truth and moral rightness. One of the things that I recommend is in your own sort of meditative practice, maybe blindfold yourself while you're meditating. Should try it. (laughs) It offers you a way to tap into your intuition and your different sort of psychic gifts connected with your senses beside vision. But also, in general, it allows you to meditate on surrender in a different way. Another thing connected to retraining your senses and also related to this sort of interplay of sacred sexuality and spiritual ritual. Something simple as being sure to look strangers in the eye. I'd actually like us to just take a moment and just look at each other, just recognize each other. (laughs) It's such a small thing, but it can really break the ice. Um, and change the ways that you make other people feel and that you feel in your own body in terms of interfacing with difference and recognizing and affirming someone else's humanity. On a more interpersonal and even romantic way, trying things like sensual eye gazing with your partner or partners. These simple things, Getting in the habits of just retraining our senses, retraining the ways that we affirm people. So in addition to things like deconstructing the myths, enlightenment, then going through things like shadow work, What's, what's important next is doing things like clearing and grounding. After going through processes of unearthing all of the things that you thought you knew, all of the ways that you've internalized it, all of the ways that you have to let go of old stories, grief can be a really big thing. What we often find hiding under things like fear and resistance um, is a dormant grief of the things that we think we'll lose a lot of the times. So after you go through this process, a lot of times what you will have to do next is just process your grief and reorient yourself to a different way of being, what it will require of you. And in these processes, things like grounding and turning to things like tarot is something that can offer solace. It's something that can keep you grounded, but also empowered in the sense that you're not alone, in a sense that the guidance that you receive is proof of the ways that you always have your your guides, your angels, etheric bodies with you, giving you guidance. I found in my own journey that meditating on the death card and getting more, more in tune with the sort of meaning of what the death card means in the tarot deck was really helpful for me. In tarot, the death card essentially, is a card that can be scary for some people when they first see it. But the real message of the death card essentially is all about the ways that whatever is crumbling, um, collapsing, any change that's being asked of you, any transformation that's happening or being asked of you is for your highest good, as well as the tower card. In some ways, they're similar in that way. That there's always a light, and that whatever is transforming, whatever is being taken away, whatever is crumbling, it's it's making way for something better to grow in its absence. In terms of thinking about healing justice intentions related to clearing, grounding, that's where access comes in. That's where our personal and collective contributions to the greater good come in. Because most of the issues that Arise when it comes to clearing and grounding is the ways that because we're differently situated in regards to power and privilege, we need different things to heal. Even if it's around a similar intention, even if it's around healing um, issues related to the core, the same core problem. And for people of color, what's usually important is for us to have safety, restitution, and repair, in spaces where we see like-minded people, (laughs) where we see faces of familiarity, and where we have access to the tools that we need for our transformation and healing. But those things are scarce. Those things are really scarce. So something I implore you to do is to support the organizations, the healers, and the healing spaces that prioritize healing justice. That's something we can do. We can do it with our money. We can do it with our patronage. We can do it in the ways that we hire, etc. something else that's really important in this process is forgiveness and compassion. Forgiveness and compassion are two of the main things that I meditate on. Whenever I need to get back to a calm state, whenever I need to zoom out and remember the larger picture, forgiveness and compassion will be important for any and everyone in our different sort of journeys and healing these wounds that we've incurred from things like patriarchy, from being disempowered, from coming to terms with the roots of our origin stories, with the lies, the distortions that were fed over and over. It'll be important to do that thing of realizing what's real and what's not still holding the truth of everyone's humanity in your heart, meditating on forgiveness and compassion, to keep rebuilding relationships and to generally just change our ways of relating to each other. From there it's integration, integrating all the lessons. You have to go through the process of clearing out and then rebuilding integrating the lessons in an embodied way. From there, we can co-create our future. From there, we realize that shadow work plus empowerment, plus understanding our purpose and our connection to a greater order, are the things that we can harness toward recreating our world. And as creation, it is our duty to create, essentially. To create, we have to be in energetic states to receive. We have to be in energetic states to co-create with all of the matter, the energy, and the people around us. And so integration essentially is that final step of putting it all to work, putting it all to work. I think what's also last and really important to know is that things like survival, decolonization, and integrating all of these things for change will be a matter of endurance. It'll be a matter of working across timelines of urgency, patience, languages, differences in grief, oppression, and privilege in places. And essentially, when we ritualize things like the mental checks and disidentifying with the status quo, all of those old stories, that's when we make room for embodied revolutionary action. And that's that space of creativity that we can harness toward healing and justice solutions. And they always have to be a combination of meta actions and larger actions, you know, thinking about the personal and the political, the micro and the macro. I think lastly too, um, one of the things that has been I think the most empowering for me is the ways that my natal chart just changed so much. It opened up so much. Your natal chart confirms things that you thought you knew. Your natal chart usually confirms truths about yourself that the world would rather you not know. My own personal experience was essentially being in a time of a spiritual breakdown. Um, That's when I experienced my spiritual awakening. Spiritual awakenings are often a breakdown. (laughs) Just to be, to be real, Um, and mine happened at a time when I was um, in school. Um, It happened at a time where I was in a new phase of life. I had just essentially left all of the people that I had known that had been a part of my life. I had ended a really tough um, and long-term relationship. I moved to a new city where I didn't know anyone. Um, I was estranged from my family, um, connected to my own just really terrible coming out experience. And I was experiencing What my healer at the time told me was a spiritual constipation. I was in higher education. I had reached the end of reason, you know? I knew how things worked. I knew how the world was so fucked up. And I was also in a new space of experiencing how spaces that I thought were justice-oriented just committed the same violences. Educational spaces are also spaces of terror and violence. And so I reached out to this healer. And the fir- my first reading I got was with an astrologer. She told me all these things. I went to someone else who was a tarot reader. She told me the same things. <laughs> And then I finally went to my needle chart and I just actually sat down with it. And they all said the same things. And then I took a vocational test, which was like a vocational past life test. Um, And it still told me the same things, which was that I was meant to be a healer, right? I was meant to do all of these things, but I had been so battered and bruised um, and essentially Interfacing with so many different communities, so many different messages coming from everywhere government, society, family, etc. that essentially didn't reflect to me or tell me a story of black women, queers, or outlaws being good people, being people who could be healers. I also didn't see myself reflected in Elliot any of the healing spaces that I went to, any of the trainings that I went to, to get all my certifications. I didn't see myself reflected there either. But no matter what, it was still my relationship to spirit. It was still my, my inner knowing in all of these tests, right, about past lives about my current life, my natal chart that predicted my current life, that made me a believer. you know, And that gave me and continues to give me something to hold on to and to believe in, especially when you pair that with the ways that astrologers can literally predict political change. So I hope that, if anything, (laughs) what you take from this is that it's all connected. It's all connected. Um, The stories that you've been told about who you are, you're always more and greater than that. And you can use these tools to consistently remember, to just be in this process of constantly coming back home to yourself and remembering that. Remembering that you can always make the choice of how you relate. You can always make the choice to remember how the ways that you currently relate aren't and shouldn't be the complete representation of who you are in your heart. Any questions, any comments? I hope that this all made sense. Share in your space and your energy, Kristen. Yes. So we also have a new moon coming up. Um, And so think about these as, you know, new year, new world, but also even new moon intentions. Um, So that, you know, between now and the new moon, it's the seventh, the sixth or the seventh, you can amplify the energy of these intentions through your sort of spiritual rituals that you do on your own. You know, sit with them, place them on your altar, continue to charge them energetically. With intentions, I like to use the words, I will, I have, I transform, I attract. Um, One that we can do for our sort of justice intention Mm. is I transform my relationship to difference. I transform my relationship to interacting with difference, to how I interpret difference. I attract diverse. and heartwarming relationships. Our social circle says a lot about who we are. It says a lot about our relationship to difference. And it often sets the tone for how we interact with difference, essentially, our comfortability in interacting with difference. Does anyone want to add any? Hmm. I will consciously engage in co-creation. I will react with kindness. I will, engage with love. I will engage with love. That's beautiful. I will engage with love and compassion. I will empower others through my acts. Yes. I will empower others through my acts. These are all really great. Anyone else? Yes. I will, act with compassion and I will act with compassion and forgiveness. I want to add another one. I will stay in my breath. I will stay in my breath. I think one of the biggest things that we don't realize is the ways that conservatism and respectability is something that contributes to us literally constricting our bodies in ways that cuts off our breath and our flow. And that's something that we can all consciously work on. I will look. People in the eye (laughs) and affirm their humanity. I think that's a really great one to end on. Yeah. So thank you all.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Sunday School at Modern Mystic Shop. Please subscribe to this podcast to get new content every Sunday. If you would like to watch the full one-hour video of this class or see our Sunday School in Seven Minutes series, visit modernmysticshop.com and click on Sunday School. You can also follow us on Instagram at modern Mystic underscore shop. Thank you so much, and we will see you next Sunday.